right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. You don't got time to say. All right, let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. With Adam Drovetta, I am Derek Johnson. Just three days, three-day countdown for Adam. Uh, coming up on the end. Mm. Does it feel different at all? Yes. At this point, it does. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I feel like I'm gonna puke. Well, it doesn't for me because I am still gonna be here anyway. But um, yeah, you're, yeah, it doesn't. You, nothing changes. For you. You're gonna <laughs> no. switch seats and have to push more buttons yeah, during the show. That's no fun. There is some uh, creative juices that flow on this side of the table when you don't have all those buttons. Yeah, and yeah, screens yeah. In front I agree. Of you. Just get to guy, you know, kind of think about things. Um, nonetheless, we have our RCST trivia championship later today, four o'clock. Battle of one seeds, Eric Hansey looking for back-to-back titles. Tyler Feist looking for his first. Who will win the big screen TV? Tyler Feist looking to pull the Eric Hansey and go from uh, third-place winner to champion. Yeah, see if he follows that pattern. And uh, certainly both guys would be very deserving of, in Eric's case, another championship. In Tyler's case, a first championship in our third edition of RCST Trivia. But the big news coming into today Christian Brown is officially staying in the NBA draft. And it's not that that was a big surprise. We've been kind of prepping for this and and under this assumption. So nothing we've talked about for next year's team really changes because we have been under that assumption. But Lisa Brown confirmed the news last night. Uh, Gary Bedore said that Lisa Brown said it was a tough decision. He loves KU. The feedback he's getting has been so positive. And uh, Christian Brown took to social media today and uh, posted a message about his time at KU. After gathering feedback throughout the NBA combine and discussions with my family and the KU coaching staff, I've decided to remain in the 2022 NBA draft. While I'm extremely excited for what the future holds, I'd be lying if I said this wasn't a hard decision. I have a deep love for Kansas, my teammates, the coaching staff, and our fans. I hope you saw that passion every single game. Sometimes it even overflowed. Um, anyway, uh, winning a national championship was a lifelong dream for a kid from Kansas. And we did that. I'll never forget that moment, that run and the work we put in to get there to our fans. You have no idea the difference you make. There's truly no place like Kansas and nothing like playing in Allen Fieldhouse. I'll never take that for granted to my teammates and the coaches. Thank you for always pushing me and making me better in and day in and day out. I've grown not only on the court, but off the court as well. To my family, thank you for being there every step of this journey. While I may not be at Kansas next year, Lawrence will forever be my home. Now it's time to continue to work and take everything I learned at Kansas to make myself the best I can possibly be. I hope to make you all proud and cannot wait to represent Kansas basketball at the next level. Rock chalk forever, Christian Brown. The biggest thing now is, and it's it's like this with everybody, when they leave college, uh, with all college athletes and and, um, and a lot of different industries too, but... um, you know, it goes from even in college, like, even at a place like Kansas, there's still another step up from being at a at a top tier college program and being in the NBA when it it's your craft and it's your job 
and and that's your life um in, in terms of your work it's your career and, and you've got life you know you've got a life outside in terms of you know everybody hopefully has a life outside of work and a fringe friendships and relationships and those sorts of things but in terms of your craft and what you're dedicating your time to it's now basketball and th- there's even a change even as much time as you as it takes out of you to to play at a place like Kansas it's an it's an even bigger step up um, and that I think is a, a reason a lot of guys, and I'm not predicting this for by for Christian by any means, but I think a big reason a lot of guys um, don't work out at the highest level in, in given sports is because it's just they don't have, you know, the it's not necessarily the drive. It's just that they they don't want to make their sport everything they do, and if you're not willing to do that you know, you're, you're surrounded by guys in pro ball that are willing to do that. And so, um, that's always the big test is, is these guys love basketball, but now it has to go up to an even higher level and, and we'll see if it does. And I'll say this, I've never had any of those questions with Christian Brown. Like he is always the guy on the court who seems to care more than everyone else. Not that other guys on the court don't as well, but it is certainly nobody cares more than him on the court. Whenever you see him out there playing with that type of energy and passion and, the expletives that would come out of his mm-hmm. mouth after big plays. He was so much fun to watch in a Kansas uniform. And you would expect that he's the type of guy who's going to look at it as, wow, you know, look what I've done already. Now look at how much better I can become with all this extra time to only focus on basketball. Yeah. Uh, I know you've mentioned this before. You like him more than Ochag Baji as far as, and I don't know how you would term this, like length of NBA career or success in the NBA. Yeah, I just think he he looks really. I, I like him much more. I, I like him to be more useful in more ways. I, I think Ochai, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but I think Ochai could be a three and D guy and be a very useful player in the NBA. I think Christian is is a little more useful in various parts of the game in the NBA. As wide open as the game is in the NBA, and and as well as he moves in the open floor, yeah, I, I like him a lot. Uh, to be, I just think there's more. Um, I think he he's more versatile as as a as an NBA basketball player than Ochai. Yeah, so I actually I'm I'm kind of climbing on that that bandwagon with you. Um, again, like I think both guys are going to have sizable, long, good NBA careers. They get the second contract where you make a bunch of money and all that stuff. I think Ochai is going to have a long career, like you said, be a three and D guy who can either come off the bench or be a good fifth starter for you, whatever it is, and, and impact your team in a lot of positive ways. You know he's going to be a good athlete, get out and transition, hit threes for you. He can hit him off the move. Um, he's got the potential and the athleticism to be a good defender. He's a pretty good on-ball defender. Um, with Christian, like you said, you have just all the ways that he can impact it with handling the ball. I know he doesn't have like the bet, the tightest like handle, but he's he's a good little facilitator uh, in transition. He can drive transition play. He's great off cuts and in transition. I know there's there's talk about one of the things in the NBA, like will he be able to hit shots off the move because his release is kind of slower and it's a lower release that it takes a little bit more time and that, to get that up. makes it easier to block. It too. does. Um, and and so I. I guess I have two things to that. One, like whatever we're talking about with the role of Christian Brown or, or Ochag Baji in the NBA is probably, like I said, is it's either a key player off the bench as a role player in the NBA, which to be clear, there's nothing wrong with that. You're going to make tens of millions of dollars. Like, great. Yeah, that's a good you know, life. It's, it's really hard to even make the NBA. Um, but 
to be that guy or to be like a fourth or fifth starter, you're not going to be option one. So how many plays are you going to have run for you where you are, you know, shooting off the move or off the dribble? Most of your shots are going to be set shots set up by plays or by the star on your team driving in and, and getting someone open, kicking it out to you. So we know he can hit the set shots. And I'll just say this, like to your point on on the it becomes your job, you're working on it every day. If the big worry for Christian Brown, so to speak, is that you you worry about the release with the shot, you worry about that not being able to translate to shooting on the move, if you're working on that every day, isn't that something that is a lot easier to be fixed than just like, I don't care about basketball or like, I'm just not athletic or I do this bad? Like, that is something that can be fixed over a couple years. Yeah, I think I think in, in, in if he winds up going in the like, first dude, do you remember Lonzo Ball when he came out into the uh out of college? Like that dude's shot looked like um oh gosh, I'm blanking on the movie. Uh Hoosiers? No. Um Oh, I'm so sorry. The actor passed away. Uh nonetheless, uh no, oh, this this is gonna ruin me that I, I can't But he looked movie. he had a bad shot. Uh, nonetheless, it was, it was a very bad shot. And uh he he has like fixed it in two, three years. Like he's a good shooter now. So like to expect that that's going to stay the same with the shot, I would expect that to be fixed. And if, if that's one of the bigger holes you're worried about and he does all these other things, well, like I think he should be a first round pick. I think he's going to have a very long NBA career. Yeah. Unless you're a LeBron James type guy, very few, um, very few. And especially with Christian Brown will likely be picked late or, or early second round or late first round. Um, you are looked at as as a bit of a project, not in a negative way, but just as you know, we don't. I don't think anybody drafting in the twenties uh, is is looking at their pick as a guy that can impact their uh, that will will impact and be a, a franchise altering player mm-hmm. right away. No, there's yeah, there's two ways of looking at it. Some teams go for the home run swing, the guys have potential that they don't know work out. Some teams go, hey, we're this good, let's let's get a guy we we feel sure about. By the way, the movie I was thinking of Philip Seymour Hoffman in Along Came Holly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. Rest in peace, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, nonetheless, I, I do want to because I don't want to make this just about like the NBA prospects of, of Christian Brown. We obviously more. Or a KU show than anything. Um, so I want to talk about what he accomplished at KU. Very little. <laughs> yeah, one right. of the one of the more forgettable year uh, careers at, at Kansas. I mean, he he comes in as an in-state recruit, um, coming out of Blue Valley Northwest, where he wins all these state titles. And and I remember seeing him play in the state tournament several times, where he was he was a lot of times playing like his senior year, especially he was he was like a point guard for Blue Valley Northwest, which makes sense because sometimes you just you know want your best player to have the ball but he was kind of a facilitator he was like a driver he shot the occasional three-point shot but it was it was kind of funny the transition he went from that a guy who wasn't a top 100 recruit um, like think about this there were 31 players ranked higher than him at the small forward position alone now he might go higher again he was the 32nd ranked small forward he's probably going to go higher than that of overall players in the NBA draft 130th ranked recruit so he comes in is that and a lot of times you see a guy ranked that and you wonder if he's coming into Kansas just in general like is that guy going to ever see the court is it going to take two three years and when I say is he ever going to see the court it's more of a product of nowadays if you don't see the court for the first year or two you're probably transferring away but he comes in right away 
And with his toughness and his, you know, bleep you kind of attitude on the court, which was so fun to watch, and the skills that he had, he immediately is playing minutes on a Kansas team. I mean, he was he was one of the, I guess, big role players to come off the bench for that team that was number one in the country that would have been the number one overall seed headed in to the NCAA tournament that, for all we know, could have been one of multiple national championships for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um they were, I mean, they were clearly the favorite to win the whole thing going into the tournament before it was canceled in 2020, and, and that his, his it, role on the team was just so different too. Like, I mean, he played 18 minutes a game, which again, for a guy who wasn't a top hundred recruit to come in on the number one team in the country, play 18 minutes a game, average over five points, three rebounds, and you had a team that you know that that team wasn't a great three point shooting team. They had a couple guys who could hit threes. Ochai could hit threes. Isaiah Moss was really the three-point marksman. And then you had Christian Brown come off the bench, shoot 44% from three. Mm -hmm. So, like, he was so pivotal, and he just had such a different role. He was just like a spot-up shooter his freshman year. But uh, to play that much in that role was was incredible. And then you go into his sophomore year, and he's asked to play a bigger role. And he does. Um, He averages close to 10 points per game, five rebounds. He's playing 31 minutes per game. The three-point shooting, though, really dipped at the end of the season. I, I think over the last month of the season in March, he was like shooting from the field like 20%. And I don't know if there was some injury stuff or if he just hit kind of a wall playing that point in the season. But he really kind of struggled at the end of the year, and that led, but again, was was you know a starter. So you're talking about a guy who wasn't top 100 recruit becoming a starter that early on. But it led to some conversations over the offseason when he added on Remy Martin and Joe Yesifu. Um, of is this team going to start two point guards? And if they start two lead guards next to each other, somebody, because they brought back four or five starters, somebody from the starting lineup last year has to go to the bench at that point. It worked itself out. Jalen Wilson was suspended early on. Remy Martin got hurt. He didn't become a starter, and then he came off the bench at the end. Uh, but that like felt so, like such a silly conversation to have in the offseason after we saw what he became, which went from... Uh, non-top 100 recruit to a key rotation player on the number one team to a starter to then one of the best players in the conference, one of the better players in the entire country. He averaged 14 points, six and a half rebounds, three assists, 50% from the field, 39 from three, 34 minutes per game. He was second team all Big 12, probably should have been first team all Big 12. Uh, You could have convinced me he could have wound up on, you know, after we were talking in December, like, uh, the talk was, could this guy end up an All-American and everything? And the season he had, winning the national title, all the big moments that he had along the way, he helped key that start of the second half. I mean, it was him and Jalen Wilson scoring on all these uh, transition plays in the second half of the title game. It is undeniable that this dude accomplished everything you could have ever asked. And again, circling back to the fact he wasn't even a top 100 recruit, the fact that he won a title almost could have won another one if not for not having a tournament and is going pro to be a first-round pick after three years mm-hmm. is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I mean, just look at, you know, look look at freshman contributors on teams that, on Bill Self teams that, um, that you know, have great years that are top five-ish, top ten teams. I mean, you've got... Um, and I don't, you know, like Wiggins was was the player, so I'm I'm not talking about him, but like Sharon Collins was a big role player as a freshman, and that was a team that was a one seed that lost in the Elite Eight. Um, 
Durrell Arthur, same thing. They were in the same class. So he was a, a big, you know, he backed up Julian Wright, but still got plenty of minutes. So just when you look at guys who got a lot of minutes uh, as freshmen on a team that actually was, was you know, Frank Mason was, you know, that team was a top. They only, they, they lost to Stanford in the second round, Frank's freshman year, but they still, they were still, what, a top six-ish, top eight team mm-hmm. in the nation. I mean, he went on to be amazing. And so, you know, you have to be really good to be a major contributor as a freshman on a, a team that's going to, you know, that is a top six, top eight type team. In this case, a number one team. And and so if you look at uh, what Christian Brown became, if you look at how much Bill Self, we go back to the trust factor, if you, if you look at how much Bill Self trusted him to play as a freshman on a team that had plenty of talent, it maybe shouldn't have been such a surprise that he turned out to be so good. Yeah. It's it's just I think it's a testament to uh, you know, work ethic and, and his mentality on the floor and that he probably was underranked because of the fact that he was an in state guy in the state of Kansas. And if if you would have said I mean also like you look at his recruiting profile, he's listed at six five, now he's six seven, so he probably grew a little bit. Um, yeah, we, we were just looking at highlights from when he was young, a freshman and how skinny he was. Yeah. Yeah, it's was, it was funny going back to and seeing it was like his haircut was so much different. Uh, I, I know one question that I've seen a, some KU fans asking is, will Christian Brown um, get his jersey retired at KU? Which is, you know, it's just kind of a natural question we ask with a lot of these guys. I, As great as Christian Brown was, I think if he would have come back his senior year, in all likelihood he would have been a first-team All-Big 12 player. He might have ended up winning Big 12 player of the year, probably been an All-American, all those things. I think if he would have come back his senior year, it wouldn't have even been a question. He would have ended up getting his jersey retired. As of now, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, and it's not an indictment on him. There are a lot of great players who don't have their jersey retired. It's just that, um, you know, you look at, you don't have a first-team All-Big 12 yeah. under your belt. Um, you don't have an All-American. You don't have a Big 12 Player of the Year. You do have the title, but, like, it's just, it's it's tough to get there. I lean no, but if, if the answer turns out to be yes, it'll be a player you can look at as Brandon Rush. Who was never Big Twelve Player of the Year? Obviously, he was what? Well, obviously, wasn't Three final time first or second team All. I don't 12. know that he ever got first team. Well, maybe he got first team early in his career. But again, I, I want to be clear. I bring that up, in, but ultimately to say he's not as good as Brandon Rush. So that's you know. But I bring that up just as a guy who. Yeah. So Brandon Rush was three time first team All Big Twelve. He did make it in a way. Okay. Three I years. thought I, for some reason I thought the big story maybe it was one. Maybe it was a. I, I thought it was a big story that that nobody made first team All Big Twelve on that 08 team because well, again, it was so could, because it was so deep. But maybe I'm thinking All American. I mean, you could if I if I do want to like get, um, I guess comparative here. I don't know. Uh, you could say that in the same way that we've talked about. Well, David McCormick probably deserved to win Final Four MOP, so that should get him up there. You could say, well, Christian Brown deserved to. Um, be first team all big 12 and like i'm looking right now so mario chalmers was third team all big 12 his freshman year he was third team all big 12 his sophomore year and he was second team all big 12 his junior year yeah so you're talking about a guy who mario chalmers was never first team but all that big final 12. four mop put him over exactly the hump. and he hits the big shot and even though like both junior years chalmers and and brown were second team all big 12 Chalmers still did have third team as his freshman yeah, and sophomore year, so it's so it's ultimately hard to get he's there. not. Yeah, he's not as good as those guys. I just yeah. bring them up. There are examples of guys who 
um, didn't win those big individual awards, but still get their jersey in the rafters. But they are few and far between, and it, it's a very difficult thing to do. I I still lean no on Brown going into the rafters, but yeah. you know I don't you know that doesn't. No, like know. I said, if he would, if he would have come back and played another year, I think it would have probably been hands down. He would have wound up in there because he would have accomplished the things that you need to do to get into the rafters. Um, but it's not like you know he's sitting there and going, man. I got to come back for that reason alone. No, he's sitting yeah, there yeah. going, I'm going to make millions of dollars, be a first-round pick, and going and playing in big NBA playoff games because if I'm I, a late I, first, I'm going to be on these good teams. Like, I can't have a him. better season. The only thing I yeah. can do, if I come back to KU, the best I can do is equal it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, good for Christian Brown. Congrats to him. Go make good money in the NBA, and uh, hope we get to see him in like the NBA playoffs that are ongoing right now in a year or two down the road. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. We are brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas Collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear, plus they look really cool. And they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK. That's ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK, all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word for fifteen percent off with Home Field Apparel on your first order. Half past three, RCST Trivia Championship coming up at the top of the four o'clock hour. We have Michael Swain of Fog.net joining us at the top of the five o'clock hour. So Christian Brown officially heading into the NBA draft. Our daily poll today at RCST thirteen twenty. Favorite Christian Brown play this past season? And in parentheses, I'm just adding this because I know most people are going to say him yelling a certain word. Um, So outside of that, because that's probably everyone's favorite right there. Uh, Number one, Dagger 3 versus Villanova. Number two, which was the one where, you know, the shot clock was winding down. He kind of curls around, takes it, and then just turns, shoots it, hits it. And at that point, I think Kansas might have been up six. It went. Or something. It, we, they were up. Um, they were up uh, thirteen after that. It went from sixty-eight fifty-eight to seventy-one fifty-eight. Mm-hmm. So that was it, it, again. It was the dagger three. Uh, the three-pointer he hit in Norman against Oklahoma. It wasn't yeah. technically a like buzzer beater, but it was the game winner. It yeah, was, what a tie around, game. Turned around to some dudes behind him. Yeah, and talked some crap to them. They end up winning the game because of that. Uh, which, again, if they don't win that game, and you can say this for any game, they won, you don't win the Big 12. And who knows what their seed is at that point. I don't know. Does it change things? Who knows? Uh, the dunk and the technical he had against Dayton, I know they ended up losing the game, but that yeah, was really fun. I, that's a, yeah, I'd forgotten that one. And hitting KU's first three against Miami. KU hadn't hit a three. Oh, yeah, that that really broke things. Did that make it 10 I want seven? S- no, I think he made it four. I think it was like 40 was to 39 it, or something. Okay, okay, okay. He made it like 43, 39, somewhere in that range. Okay. And then it just, yeah, it broke open. There were some big plays before that, but that one really like yeah, started to break it open. So those are the options there. You can vote on it yourself at RCST 1320. If we forgot one, reply, let us know, because I'm sure there were a I'll lot of good ones. I'll go with the Nova three. Yeah. That one basically, that was kind of, we were, we watched that game together at a bar, 
And um, that was kind of the, I kind of just let myself relax at that moment. Like, okay, it's it's happening. We're going to win this game. Yeah, I agree. That that was the moment for me where it was, and then he had another one after that That's, too. Yeah, he did. Um, but yeah, that one was a lot of fun. Outside of that, I'd probably go the, I don't know, the, the Miami three was big, but I'd probably have to go the Norman one in Oklahoma. Like, it was just kind of funny doing that. I also, this this wasn't like a specific play, but it stood out in my mind, the uh, the Missouri game at the, home. The start the against Missouri, that he had, yeah. Yeah, and, and how much you could tell he cared about it and how, like, engaged and intense he was about that. That was a lot of fun. Um, there's also some good, you know, dunk ones in there or other big shots and, and plays that he obviously made. I was also thinking about the the senior day game against Texas, but I just th- this doesn't really get attributed to him. It's more of just like a team overall play um, where I forget what Kansas was up by, but it's in overtime. They were never up by much in that game. No, no, it's in overtime and they're, they're up by a little and they're trying to break the Texas press, mm-hmm. and they get into a situation where it's like, oh, no, this is bad. Like, you're trapped in the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they get, I think Ochai had it first or somebody else, and then he he barely gets it up he to Christian. He got himself Christian, trapped. And then Christian is, like, about to go out of bounds on the left sideline, I believe, and he throws it up to Dave maybe who dunks it. I could be wrong on that. That might not even be him. But um, The one I was thinking of. I feel like he was the one who got trapped and he, and he put it forward to Mitch. Maybe it was him, but I don't even that, I don't think that's right because Mitch and Dave wouldn't have been on the court together. Well, not, rarely would have been anyway. But I um the uh, the one I was thinking this one wasn't a big game altering play. I mean, technically it was because K only wound up winning this game by three. But he had he he really showed off that Euro Euro step on a fast break in the championship against North Carolina mm-hmm. early in that game. He is Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to get to the final edition of Around the World with Adam. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta. RCST Trivia Championship in 25 minutes from right now. But first... Uh, this is the final time. I hope uh, neither one of us tears up doing this. This is the final around the world with Adam. All right, we're going to start off uh, up in Redwood Falls, Minnesota. This isn't a weird news story so much as I just think it's very, very cool. Mm. Um, in in one way, let me start off, and, and it doesn't sound cool at the beginning, but it is kind of cool. A partial skull that was discovered last summer by two kayakers in Minnesota will be returned to Native American officials after investigations determined it was how old, Derek? 700 years. 8,000 years old. Ah, just off. The kayakers found the skull in the drought-depleted Minnesota River about 110 miles west of Minneapolis, um, according to uh, Renville County Sheriff Scott Habel. Thinking it might be related to a missing person case or murder, Habel turned the skull over to a medical examiner. Yes, thank you. Um... Turned it over to a medical examiner, and eventually the NBA, in, NBA, the FBI. They never gave it to Adam Silver. I'm declaring for the FBI um, draft. Uh, to the FBI, where a forensic anthropologist used carbon dating to determine it was likely the skull of a young man who lived between 5,500 and 6,000 BC. Wow, that's a long time ago. Back Gosh. when they were counting numbers up instead of or down instead of up, like we do yeah. now. You think they they were like you know the 
Prophecy says this is when Jesus is going to come, so yeah, we're, we're is... going to know exactly. And, and right yeah. now we're in we're in negative nineteen eighty eight. I'm sure that's how they did it. You even think they kept track of what year it was? They're just like ah, I'm whatever. sure they had a manner. Well, was it the Mayan calendar? Every mm. they hit the end of some cycle of the Mayan calendar, and everybody thought it was the end of the world. Yeah. Like, no, we were just. So, I mean, out of a lot, I'm sure a lot of cultures pre Gregorian calendar had manners in which to, to track times and dates. Um. It was a complete shock to us that it was that old, he said. He told Minnesota Public Radio. The anthropologist determined that the man had a depression in his skull, and that was perhaps suggestive of the cause of death. Um, I will say he posted uh, about the discovery on uh, Facebook. Um, uh, but then um, some members of the Native American communities. Uh, said it was offensive to their culture for him to uh, be publishing uh, photos of ancestral remains. And so he since removed the post and he, he apologized that he didn't mean for it to be offensive. So they have since um, returned it. Um, so yeah, kind of, uh, kind of wild. Kathleen Blue, a professor of anthropology at Minnesota State University, said Wednesday that the skull was definitely from an ancestor of one of the tribe's Still living in the area. Think about that, man. Like Native American tribes go back that long. Isn't that bananas? That is bananas. Um, this brings up because this is sort of like you know finding fossils and stuff. I I don't know if you've seen this. They released like a new series on I think it's like Apple TV. Um, I don't know if it's anywhere else. Of like uh, this show about um, I, I don't know if it's just popular with Jurassic World coming out and they're trying to capitalize on it, but it's pretty good about. It's almost like a nature documentary about like dinosaurs and, and stuff like that, and um, they take a lot of things about these dinosaurs. It looks very visually appealing. It looks all super real with the CGI and stuff, and they go through these different stories of the di- I just started watching it last night, but I'm just like sitting there as I'm watching this thing, and it's like, you know, you have these skeletons of. I don't really know what this has to do with the skull. I just this made me old, think about it. They're old bones. But you have these skeletons, you have these old fossils, and these old bones. And I understand how that allows you to get an idea of what the dinosaur looks like. I mean, you don't totally know what the outside looks like, but it gives you an idea. And, like, they have these dinosaurs who are like, do they have feathers on them? Do they have this or that? Are they like, scaly like reptiles? You know? How do you know what they have? And then it's like, it'll have something happen. It'll be like, the mother dinosaur liked to do this or do that. It's like, how do you know? How do you know? I've 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 long thought like, you know, in all those, in not just in Jurassic Park, but in all these kind of nature documentaries, they always roar and growl. What if they talk like us? We don't know. That's and the like, thing. You know, this is a Tyrannosaurus yeah. Rex. It's like, okay, but my name is Sam. <laughs> I don't call you human. Right. You have a name, bud. So yeah. do I. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, how... How do they know that stuff for sure? I don't know. I'm sure there's a good scientific answer there. I'm sure, you know, an archaeologist, if, if, you know, there's any archaeologists or scientists who want to come on the show, I'd, I'd love to have you. I had a, uh, I want to be clear, I had, and I, I'm making this distinction because I had an archaeologist on uh, Lawrence Community Corner, the other show that I host. She wants to make it clear the distinction. Archaeologists, um, people who dig up fossils are paleontologists, ah. not archaeologists. Well, whichever one would know these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on the show. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm. I think that's a very, very fair question. I mm. it, think it's. You know, how do we know that we, they didn't wear clothes? Right. Right. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on to Tokyo. This is from the Associated Press. 
Uh, money was this money was supposed to uh, be COVID nineteen assistance for low income households in a small Japanese town, but it was mistakenly wired to a bank account of a single resident. What did he do with it? I'll tell you, he didn't return it, which means he's a jerk. Uh, he was Matt Damon and he bought a zoo. No. Oh. He spent most of it on online gambling. Oh. He's a 24-year-old jobless resident in the town of Abu in western Japan. When you say spent, do you mean lost? Uh, I'm guessing, yeah. <laughs> okay. He was arrested on Wednesday, according to the area police. Um, police said Thursday he admitted to spending most of this 46.3 million yen, 360,000 American dollars, of taxpayer money on gambling. According to Kyoto News Agency, only 68,000 yen, $530, is left in his bank account. After Which, we by w- the way, remember we were talking last week and we said that Rupal. yen is one of those like yeah, ruples yeah, yeah. where it sounds yeah. way more than his. How much did you say? 68,000 68, yen, and that was like $530. Yeah. Is left in his bank account after he withdrew the money 34 times in, over just, in o- just in over 10 days uh, after the town made the mistake. He's being held on suspicion of computer fraud. He allegedly refused the town request to return the money. That's look, man. That's just mean. The populate each person was. Um, I know each of the 463 low-income households, uh, pop, uh, in a town population of 3,372, was supposed to receive 100,000 yen, which is about 780 dollars. But a town official mistakenly submitted it to a financial institution in a single transfer request. The total amount paid to this man. Um, his name was first on the list of recipients. I don't know how they made the list, but it all went to him. That's just not nice. No, not nice at all. Like, um, this is supposed to help people. There's a pandemic going on. It's supposed to help. It's, you know, I get, like... Yeah, it's, it's not it, nice, but let me add a wrinkle here. Yeah. What if you would have doubled the money and then given it and back? Given it, it back? back? Maybe that was his plan all mm-hmm. along. I'm going to put all this on red, right. double it, and then now everybody can have 200,000 yen. Did you ever watch The Leftovers? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, the a- HBO program? Yeah, HBO program. It's based the, on a book. Uh, was um, it about the rapture or something? No. Um, it's, I mean, some people, I don't know, maybe. Um, it's, it's basically the idea is 2% of the population just at one random time, just all of a sudden, poof, they're gone. Right? Yeah. They just disappear. And nobody knows why or how they're just gone, which... You know, 2% does not sound like a huge amount, right? It sounds like a type of milk you drink. But 2% when you have, what, how many people are on Earth? About 6 billion seven and people? A half billion. Seven and a half billion. Okay, that, that's a lot of people, right? That's it's a heap. What? One point, I don't know. I'll do, the, no. I'll, do the, I'll do the math. 140 million? Is that right? I don't know. That could be totally wrong. Nonetheless, it is a lot of people. And um, I guess basically this boils down. There's this one episode where uh, this... This priest, like the the church, is I think gonna close or something. He has this money and he needs to use it, but he needs more to to avoid the foreclosure for yeah, getting sold to someone else. Forty million. People. There we go. Um, math pays off. And he uh, he has to go to like the the uh, the casino and try to make the extra money. And he like the the intensity that undergoes that episode is is remarkable. I don't want to spoil it. I know it's been out several years. Would highly recommend watching it. But yeah, if it, if that's what this was about, then like I I don't know I. It's still bad. You shouldn't do it. But, like, if he did end up making money for them, then that's cool. His uh, arrest was based on his alleged transfer of 4 million yen of the town money paid into an account believed to be an online gambling site. Man. That's Mm. just mean. I don't know. I'm not on this guy's side at all. 
All right, next up from the UPI, a team of uh, bee removal experts were summoned to Louisiana's largest airport in New Orleans. Shout out to our friend Amy Just. Uh, to remove how many bees they've taken up they've taken up residence in a piece of equipment there. Not the bees. You've seen Wicker Man. Yeah, right? I, okay. I I've seen the original Wicker Man. I haven't seen the Nick Cage one, but oh. I know the, I know the, the I didn't even know another one existed. Yeah. Why would you need another one? Yeah, that's fair. You know, Nick Cage. Um what was the question? How many bees? Uh we're stuck in the equipment at this airport. Shoot, man. They're so small you could have so many. Uh also, who's in charge of counting? If this is a high number, who is in charge of counting these? Uh, 10,000. 15,000 bees <laughs> had taken up residence on a piece of them? equipment. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Craig Forsyth of Bee Guys LLC, guys spelled with a Z, mm. said he and his team responded Sunday to Louis Armstrong International Airport in New Orleans after being contacted by Delta Airlines workers. Forsyth. Forsyth said about 15,000 honeybees were found swarming on a piece of equipment used for loading and unloading luggage from airplanes. Forsyth told WDSU-TV the bees were safely removed and relocated, this is odd, to a special place. It sounds like when your parents have to put your dog down. <laughs> he went to a very special place. Uh, yeah, what is, what is that? That man mean? 100% killed those bees. Yeah, 100%. Which is is bad. I you know I don't like uh, don't bees. Kill I don't kill bees. I don't like bees in terms of if they're there and they're buzzing around me and they're trying to sting me. Like stay away. But you know bees are, are good. They're like stay away from me, but go do your thing because we need. Yeah, bees they have for the an important job to do. Yeah. Um. No, I don't think bees. he. I don't think he actually killed. He's a beekeeper. That's what you're supposed to do if you see a heap of bees. Mm. Just walk away, leave them alone, call a beekeeper because so they will safely remove them and get them to a. A hive with a queen and all those. Okay, things. so then if he's a beekeeper and he's not somebody who would want to kill the bees, and he says special place, that's then what the only I, that, other thing that's that comes bizarre to mind. Wording. I'm guessing he took him to a. I'm guessing he probably has plenty of hives. Well, that's and, just and he like probably put them in a hive. Somewhere. That's just like for me. He's like from Silence of the Lambs. He's uh, oh, what's the? He ate their liver with some fava beans. No, and nice no, candy. he's um. Hannibal Lecter. No, the other guy. That Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill. He's like Buffalo Bill, and he's With like, the moths? come to my special place. Oh, it's yeah. It's the freaking well in yeah, his yeah, yeah. Uh, basement. Gooby Brock, my dog. We used in high school, we'd go around to drive throughs and order our food like that. I'm sure the part-time worker at the fast food place really loved that. Put the lotion in the basket. We're going to move on. This man made a rap record, but not the kind you're thinking of. Oh. A British man, this also from the UPI. A British man works as a school teacher in Spain, earned a Guinness World Record when he freestyle rapped for how long? Uh, an hour. 39 hours, 37 minutes, and 54 seconds. Daniel Alcon, age 35, who uses the stage name Dalcon. Mm. Or maybe Dalkin, like Falcon. I don't know. Uh, took on the Guinness record for the longest rap marathon uh, in Valencia, Spain. He previously fell an hour short of the record in 2021 on an oh. attempt. He uh, freestyled this time for 39 hours, 37 minutes, 54 seconds, successfully capturing the record this time around. The previous record of 33 hours, 33 minutes, and 16 seconds was set by U.S. rapper Watsky in 2020. He live-streamed his rapping marathon on YouTube, Thank you to my whole team who contributed so much and to the people who dedicated at least a second to watch it live. That doesn't rhyme. 
he wrote in a Facebook page or Facebook post announcing his new record. So, man, that's a lot of time to just talk in, in rhymes. Yeah, I would freestyle never... rapping is a very impressive skill for the for the people who do it well. It's very impressive. It is, but if you're doing this for 37 hours, like you've got it. He's repeating stuff or like certain words. Yeah, how many? Be... There's only so many words out there. That's what I'm saying. Like there's certain things that he's repeating, just saying in a different way. I just this. There's certain world records, because you see this all the time. It's like world record for most balloons juggled with a left hand. Yeah. It's just like weird weird world records like this, where it's like, I understand the allure of getting in the Guinness world, Book of World Records and saying A lot of them are kind of arbitrary, owner. though. Exactly. And a lot of them are so silly like this that it's not something that... Like if you if you meet someone and you're like oh what what do you do for a living and like I, I mean, you know I work in an office at this point it's pretty much a publicity stunt it is but again like nobody nobody is viewing this as like publicity and is like man that guy's so cool I want to like not that there's anything like I'm wrong sure at with least this, but one more person who would have not bought his album or downloaded his album now will you're gonna listen to a 37 hour no album. no 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 he, I'm sure he has albums out but based mm-hmm. on this story I'm sure there are people now. That's who true. Otherwise, would not have downloaded any of his other albums, and and just they're not going to go back and watch all thirty nine hours of this video. But I'm sure they're like, oh man, this guy did this. Okay, well he's got this album out there on iTunes or Spotify or whatever. I'm going to go ahead and buy it because that's a that's an interesting news story. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. That's true. Is there anything that you would do for thirty whatever hours? Thirty nine hours. hours. Um. I don't know. Probably not. That's a lot of I need my sleep. stuff. Did you um, do a radio show for 39 hours? Didn't some guy in Lawrence try to do that a few years a radio ago? radio show? I think while we were in college, he tried to do a live podcast broadcast uh, for like a, in a, in a remarkable amount of time to set a Guinness record, and I think he huh. fell just short of it. What do you Did you ever do? see that movie, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, with Jimmy Stewart? No. He, uh, at one point... Um, he uh, at one point um, filibusters the Senate floor, and and talks so long that he passes out. Yeah. So is that is that just what you're doing if you're trying to fill that time? Like, do you think this guy wrote out the raps? And, and would you if you had to do like a 39 like, hour? Can you write out freestyles? I don't know. I guess I wouldn't make it a freestyle. But for like the radio show, could I just read a book on the radio for 39 hours? Yeah, it wouldn't be very entertaining. But you no, could. it wouldn't. But I could do it. Well, when the when the Republicans were filibustering not long ago for whatever they were griping about that. Um, Who's that idiot from Texas? Ted Cruz. He just like wrote uh, red, green eggs, and ham. So I can know. read all the doctors. Those would take too. They'd be too short though. Yeah, yeah. You, that wouldn't. That wouldn't that. fill thirty nine like hours. Lord of the Rings. I just. I think freestyle rapping in and of itself. I don't care how long you do it. It's it's extremely. It's a yeah. very impressive skill. And the wordplay. A lot of the good ones will work in. And you know, it's 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 interesting to me. And and the way they manipulate the language is, is really interesting to me. I. I, I I wouldn't be able to do it, but it's interesting to hear. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're up against the clock. I can't rhyme even more with that. Uh, nonetheless, we're going to break. This is RCST. RCST Trivia Championship coming up next. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Championship day here on Rock Truck Sports Talk for RCST Trivia. This is our third annual edition of RCST Trivia. And today we crown 
Maybe the same champion or maybe a new champion. Isaac Henderson, the winner in 2020. Eric Hansey, the winner in 2021. Eric going for back-to-back here in 2022. Tyler Feist, who finished third last year, which was the path that Eric went on before winning his first title, is going to have a chance to win the title. And with that said, let's send it to our PA announcer to hear and reintroduce our contestants. Let's meet our title contenders for the third annual edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk Trivia. After earning third place in last season's edition of RCST Trivia, Tyler Feist was looking for more in 2022. He's already accomplished that by making it to this point. But now, he's got a big screen TV just inches from his face, willing him to go one further. With a career record of 10 and 1, and the third most correct answers at 51 of them, going 14 and 0 on questions this year, the number one seed out of the East region, Tyler Feist. His opposition is no stranger to this moment. Eric Hansey won the title a season ago after taking third place in 2020. He's back for more. He's back for back to back. Does he even need or want another TV? Who's to know? But he does want and need the glory of becoming the first RCST trivia two-time champ and further cementing his legacy as the greatest of all time. With a career 16 and 1 record, the most correct answers in tournament history with 68 of them, a 97% answer mark and a record of 19 and 0 this season. The number one overall seed and winner of the Midwest region, Eric Hansey. It's the RCST Trivia Championship match. A TV and trophy are on the line. Who will get the spoils and dig in on all their Bill Self mac and cheese in front of a new flat screen? We find out now. Okay, thank you from the PA guy. And now we get into this between Eric and Tyler. Once again, RCST Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Geeser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, CBD of Lawrence, Pella Windows and Doors, RockJock.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros, our title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery, where you can get dine-in, carry-out, and catering all available. Order the uh, Bill's Love Mac and Cheese, Haney Turkey Stack, Hank Boothburger, anything in between. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery beer. I like the Crimson Fog. You can get to go as well with their Crowlers. Uh, the defending champ, Eric Hansey, number one overall seed of the tournament. You have made it to this point, 19-0 so far in trivia questions this year. You have the most correct trivia answers of all time, the most correct trivia wins of all time. If you win this thing, because I remember last year it was a debate. If if Eric beat Isaac, you know, it would be a debate over who is the GOAT. It's MJ versus LeBron. But now you have the opportunity here to make that not even a debate. You'd become the first guy to, to ever win two RCST trivia championships. What are your thoughts headed in to this uh, finale? Well, I think, uh, you know, getting two would be nice. And certainly, um, you know, the motivation is if I don't, I think there's a conversation for my current competitor to, to certainly be mentioned in that same uh, same tier of, of all-time greats. So would love to depress that for one more year. Now, Tyler, uh, yeah, the, you are uh, following the path potentially of what I said just that Eric did last year. He was third place in 2020, came back, took on the defending champ in the title, and he beat him. So uh, that pattern has 
has been pretty close to you. You're one win away from doing it. Now, last year, uh, you lost uh, a round before in the Phenomenal Force. You've already made it further than you did a season ago. Uh, what are the nerves at? What are the emotions headed into this one? Oh, I feel like leading up to this point, I was a little nervous, but um, I, I I really want to win. I've been dreaming about the TV a little bit. I uh, can't believe it's just one went away. Um it would be nice to be uh, one of the all-time greats. And uh, we were talking before off-air. Both you guys last week were, were at the PGA Championship. Different days. I was worried that if you guys would have been there at the same time that, I don't know, either um, it could have a great friendship could have arose or, or maybe worst-case scenario, you two could have gotten in a fight and, you know, one of you tries to injure the other so that they'd have to forfeit this matchup. So I'm glad that didn't happen. We get to settle it like men here uh, on, on the RCST trivia field. So just a reminder uh, what you guys are going for today as far as the prizes. The winner of this one gets the big screen TV thanks to 23rd Street Brewery. That the big prize there. You get another $25 gift card from the brewery because every round you advance, you get another $25 gift card. And this is obviously the final one to go eat all that amazing food and drink at the brewery. A championship trophy from Jayhawk Trophy. It's a it's a slick-looking trophy, and it's different than last year, Eric. So uh, you don't have to worry about just having the same trophy over and over if you do win. And obviously, lifetime entrance into RCST trivia. Most importantly, forever a winner in our books. And uh, you get to join the, the likes of Isaac and Eric, or in the case of Eric, double down on your own to this point you've already amassed a ton of prizes as well uh five other 25 dollars gift cards to the brewery 60 dollars of credit to jayhawk nfts at rockchuck.io an rcst hat with a phenomenal four logo um auto entrance into next year for trivia a one seed phenomenal four trophy and a water bottle with engraved rcst thanks to jayhawk trophy um, home field apparel gear thanks to Pella doors and windows voucher for a free VIP car wash at Mr. D's free sandwich and breakfast sandwich at McDonald's $20 gift card to CBD of Lawrence $10 gift card to Hawaiian Bros. Thanks to Kurt Geeser State Farm and an RCST trivia t-shirt. We talked last week though when we talked to you guys about you know if you had thought ahead to what you would do with the TV. So it's been another week from now. I'm, I'm going to ask again uh, Tyler do you have any plans of what you would do with a potential new big screen TV? Well, I think it would go in, in in my living room, and I, I I haven't really thought of details of where it's going to go or anything like super specific. I've just been kind of dreaming of what it's going to look like, what games we could be watching on there, what my daughter could be watching on mm. there, all all sorts of all sorts of opportunities. And Eric, I, I forgot to mention again, wearing the uh, the home white uniforms, which we always appreciate. Um, you, we talked to you last week, and you know your your wife was almost wondering, you know, do you donate it? Do you sell it? Do you give it to someone else? Uh, where have you kind of settled on this, or is this going to be more of a conversation if you win today? No, I think if I win today, I can I can kind of uh, rubber stamp this, and it'll it'll go in my office. Um, I'm dealing with a circa, I'm looking at it right now, circa 09 or 10 TV. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll upgrade the office TV and, and kind of avoid that that discussion uh, to avoid any marital strife. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, guys, uh, I'm, I'm sure you, you've had it with all the waiting. Are you guys ready for the questions? Let's do it. All right. And uh, Eric, you are technically the higher seed. You're both one seeds, but Eric, you're the number one overall defending champ. So I mean, Tyler, you have the option. Do you want to choose to go first or go second? Second. Okay. Eric, defending champ, one went away from... Going back-to-back, you were up first. 
Into the easy category we go. We'll double down in all our different tiers of questions. Eric, what is the furthest that Tyshawn Taylor ever made it in the NCAA tournament? Be runner-up. Yep, was runner-up in 2012. Okay, Tyler. And he remains convinced that if that game was two minutes longer, he'd have mm. been a national champion. They might have been. They were on a quite the uh, run there at the end. Tyler, what is the furthest that Drew Gooden ever made it in the NCAA tournament? Final four. Yep. Lost to Maryland in his final collegiate game. All right, back to you, Eric. On February 13th of 2017, Kansas overcame a 14-point home deficit with under four minutes to go to eventually win in overtime against what Big 12 opponent? You said 2017? Yes. West Virginia? Yep. Notable game. Fans were walking out, and boy, did they miss something. All right, Tyler, in that game, what Kansas senior guard led the team with 24 points? Well, you said senior guard, 2017, so I'll go with Frank Mason. Yep. All right, knock him out. We move up. That was a good because Frank. I mean, well, and I know you said senior, but in in a, in a more difficult category, there was a, a particular junior guard in that game who canned some important threes. Yeah, so. the old shimmy one at the left wing. That's the one that sticks out in people's heads. On to the medium round of questions for you, Eric. Kansas fell in the second round of the 2000 NCAA tournament to what one seed out of the ACC, 69 to 64. I always thought they had a better chance to win this game than they ended up showing, but uh, that was Duke. Up, I think, 13-2 to two at one point. They started off hot wow. out of the gates and uh, couldn't finish them off. Well, but that uh, class of players wound up making some noise in tournaments later on. Including this one for you, Tyler. Kansas won their 2002 Elite Eight game 104-86 to 86 over what Pac-12 opponent? Oregon. Yep. That's the Oregon one we like to talk about. Yes, it is. Day. Out in the Kohl Center in in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. I don't think about them hosting very often. It's odd. Okay, uh, Eric, back to you. What Jayhawk big man won the Helms Foundation National Player of the Year Award for the 1951 to 1952 season in which KU won the national championship? Yep, one of the most accomplished seasons in KU history. Helms Player of the Year, national title. Very impressive jaw on that man, too. Mm. He's only like six, what, six, 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 seven, averaging like, what, 15 rebounds a game. Okay, Tyler. What Jayhawk forward earned third team AP All American honors for the 2016 2017 season in which Kansas made the Elite Eight? Could you repeat the question? Yes. What Jayhawk forward earned third-team AP All-America honors in the 2016-2017 season in which Kansas made the Elite Eight? Josh Jackson. Yep. 
AP All-America third team for Josh, which looking back, I feel like he could have been first, second. But, you know, if Frank Mason wasn't on the team, he might have averaged like 20 a game. He was was something special. All right. Finally to the hard round. First time in a while, and it's in the championship game. How are you guys' nerves doing? Mine are fine. Thanks, Derek. (laughs) Back to you, Eric. (laughs) I'm all right. Eric, in KU's 2014 Champions Classic blowout loss to Kentucky, what Jayhawk led the team with nine points? Oh, my God. (sighs) Oubre started that game. Ten seconds. God, I'll go Perry Ellis. Not a bad guess. The correct answer was Wayne Selden. Wayne Selden had nine points to lead the way. These probably could have been really hard, but it's a championship matchup. Tyler, this for you. Which I should pray. I should preface this. Tyler's eyes lit up when I asked that to Eric. I think partially because he knows what he's about to get is probably going to be very difficult as well. Tyler, for you. In KU's 2014 Champions Classic blowout loss to Kentucky, what Jayhawk led the team with eight rebounds? Hmm. It's probably I've got some few I've got a few options, but because it's the hard category. Ten seconds. I think it's Cliff Alexander. I did not think you were going to get that. Cliff Alexander did not even start the game. Um, Hunter Mickelson, Landon Lucas, Perry Ellis, you had all sorts of options. And Tyler is our new trivia champion. Uh, uh, Thoughts, uh, emotions, uh, excitement level. Man, I've got 65 inches worth of excitement. TV's coming my way. Holy Please preface smokes, that you're talking year. about the television when you say that, buddy. Oh, yes. Oh, thank God. Yes. yes. Sorry. Yeah, maybe I should have had some more context for that. Uh, man, I, yes, I, I'm very, very excited. Um, I feel like Eric and I gave, gave the people what we, they wanted. We got to the hard category. Um, I don't know. I, I somewhat got lucky because I was just running through who was on the roster. Didn't for sure know the answer. I just thought it was probably, I knew Cliff Alexander was a freshman that year. I figured it was, he was buried enough in the roster that I thought that maybe that would be the answer. And I got lucky. Um, man, I'm a, I'm a national champion. Feels good. <laughs> That's what, it, it, yeah. What it, would you have guessed for uh, Eric's question? I think I would have guessed Perry Ellis as well. So, Eric, did you know the answer to uh, Tyler's question there? Uh, I I didn't, and I similar thought process. It would have been between Cliff and and Jamari, um, just because it is the hard question. And I got nervous for a second that I maybe gave him my answer, but that would have been almost too easy. I feel like um, to have Perry be the answer to that. So. No, it was it was a good good answer, and I, I honestly it's it stings more than I thought it would right now. 
Yeah, which is great because you won it last year. So, I mean, and you are still the only person who's made the uh, Phenomenal Four all three years. And now you've collected a first, second, and third. So you have the, the Olympic you know, a uh, triad of medals. Been all so over the podium. Yeah, right? Which I, I guess on its own is kind of cool. I know you would have rather won today. Um, so, Tyler, what are you going to do to celebrate this uh, this momentous victory? I don't know. Have an ice-cold beverage of some sort uh, this <laughs> evening. Um, We've got 150 bucks worth of uh, yeah. gift cards at the 23rd Street. That'll get you plenty of beverages. Yes. <laughs> yes. Make sure you get a ride I, home yeah. if you use all 150 of it. Yeah, I might, I might reach out to Bill Self. Since, I mean, mm. I'm a champion, and he's a champion. We have things in common now. I, he's got to, he's got to know me. I mean, I think I could be a great mm-hmm. friend of his. We could celebrate our championships together. Well, I he think needs him to, and I would get along great. He needs to prep you about the media whirlwind that's on your way. Exactly, the paparazzi. I will not disclose my friends or family's <laughs> names because the paparazzi is probably going to be pretty crazy uh i don't know how to plan a parade i might need to find out how to do that um, well, well be on the lookout we're gonna we're gonna try to i no promises on this but we're gonna try to do a little like rcst banquet we'll do a live show somewhere and uh see if people want to come out and stuff and we hope we see both of you guys there um eric I, I know this one stings i know this one hurts is your first trivia loss uh, you know miss question i should say of the year and it's your first trivia loss since 2020 I mean, that is, as much as this stinks and sucks for you, um, like, that is a hell of a run. Like, tip of the cap. Yeah, I mean, uh, since then, I've become a father and uh, watched KU win a title, won a title myself. It seems like a very long time ago, but, uh, you know, if you're going to go down, uh, we got to the hard round. Um, I wish I could have given the fans maybe a few more rounds in that that category, but... uh, I'm not going to hang my head in shame. I think you you lose to a caliber of opponent like that, and you, you can sleep a little easier at night. Yeah. Well, I think I think I, I think Derek. So that, you know, pressure off my shoulders too. So that that's great. Well, and I, I think Derek's right. I I think those in any other round, those questions are in the really hard category. So not only can you sleep well knowing you lost to a worthy opponent, but you can sleep well knowing that those were. Not common. Honestly, all the easies were probably mediums. The yeah, mediums yeah, yeah. Could I mean, have been we, hard. we really jumped up the difficulty for yeah. this for this uh, for the championship round. Yep. So uh, good job, guys. Eric, still congrats on another great run and collecting a bunch of great prizes. Tyler, congratulations, man. And we have uh, the same. I guess that means that Justin Nichols, who won our third place game, look out, he's going to win it next year. But uh, good job, guys. We appreciate you joining as always. Congratulations. Thanks, Eric. So Archean is crowned a new champ. I, I thought he had no chance at getting the Cliff Alexander one. I really didn't. There were so many other big men you could have thought of. He was not starting at the time. Again, you have Perry Ellis, you have Landon Lucas, Hunter Mickelson, Jamari Trailer. As soon as he said You well, think of Cliff having this like great game. As or great soon as season. he pointed out it's in the hard round. So he you knew he'd probably go for somebody obscure. Because I, I was kind I kind of was thinking along the lines of what Eric was mm-hmm. thinking that um, he's probably Tyler was probably going to guess Perry, but then when Tyler pointed out it's the hard round, so probably somebody a little more obscure, I thought, man, he he might actually mm-hmm. this might happen. Yeah, that was crazy. Of all the ones, I mean, you look down the line, and I don't want to give any of these away because I don't know which ones you're going to be using next year. Yeah. 
But I mean, some of the really the re- hard ones the that we never got the, to. The rest of the ones down the line, um, those are like extremely hard. I mean, I, again, I don't want to say I'm not going to say who, but what they are. But the next two questions in the hard category, I would argue, are probably easier than these two. Mm-hmm. I think these. I think the two questions today, the the Wayne question and the Cliff question, were equal in difficulty. But I think had they both gotten those right or both gotten those wrong and we moved on to the next two, I actually think those two were a little easier than these two. Does I would that agree make with sense? that. Yeah, I would agree with that. But now uh, you'll never know because we keep those secret. And uh, next year for trivia, you know, maybe we'll have some of those come along. And, and those last two questions I think were a perfect example. Every year of trivia has its own flavor. We're like the Hunger Games. You know, they have their different, like, uh, themes and themes whatnot. every year. We yeah. have, our, you know, last year. Okay, so 2020 we did like KU and Big 12 and NCAA tournament. 2021 um, was KU, but I think a lot of the questions, especially once you got to the harder rounds, became very media guide driven. And we have a lot here that if you study the media guide, it's very much going to help you. But like that, for instance, we have a lot more this year that were you know just game or box score like that. Yeah. You could not have studied that. I yeah, mean, you or, could have. but or, or you had to work with, you, you kind of had to use use your brain a little bit and go, okay, what category is this? If it's the easy category, it's a more obvious mm-hmm. player. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. That was, that was, yeah, impressive that was impressive. Just, and I got to say, how impressive is it? Like, you've been, part, this is your third one. You've been a part of all of them. Think about this was just something to fill airtime because you <laughs> didn't, you guys didn't have an NCAA tournament wow. to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's where this came. The NCAA got tournament got canceled. Obviously, that was the lowest of 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 priorities of of why that time was such a horrible time. But the whole this began simply because you and Nick needed a, a clever, creative, entertaining way to fill time when you weren't able to talk about the NCAA tournament and what a lot of people thought would be a long NCAA tournament run for the Jayhawks. Um, and it's turned into something pretty awesome. Okay. So now we have to get into the goat conversation. Who is the goat at this moment in time of RCST trivia? Let me, let me run through some, uh, I guess numbers here. So Eric is now 16 and two. I think it's, it's pretty clear to me. It's, it's probably between, you you have to choose between one of the three champions, right? With Eric, Mm -hmm. Isaac and Tyler. So Eric is 16 and 2 overall. He has won a championship and then he has a second and third place finish. Isaac has a first and second but doesn't have the third that Eric has. Isaac is 12 and 2 on uh trivia matchups. Tyler meanwhile has a first and third. He is 11 and 1. Um but then you also have the head to head that Tyler has beaten Eric. That's yeah, and then it, but then Eric has the has the win over Isaac, doesn't Yeah, he? and then Isaac beat Tyler. So you have the perfect triangle. I would have to just that 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 third phenomenal four. I think puts Eric over the top in my mind. Even though you could argue that this was probably the well, maybe I don't know. I, maybe you could say that this was the most difficult. See, of but the what three. becomes difficult for figuring out Tyler is that he wasn't in it in for in. in uh, the first okay, year. that's fair. Okay, so he's got so he's two for two. Eric's three for three. Tyler's two for two because he wasn't in in terms of making the fun, phenomenal four. Mm-hmm. Um. That's a tough one. I, I still, I don't know. I, I got to lean Eric, even though Tyler can't control the fact that, you know, he you know he, yeah. he wasn't able to make a Phenomenal Four in, in 20 because he didn't participate. But I that third Phenomenal Four, in my mind, puts Eric over the top. I agree. I think Eric, for me, is still the GOAT. He still has the most correct trivia answers, 72. And he also has the best percentage. Like, he's 72 and three. That was just his third missed trivia question in 75 questions. Out of comparison... 
Isaac and Tyler, who have unbelievable trivia answers themselves, 58 and 7, 56 and 7. So I, I still would go Eric, but I guess that makes next year all the more important because if, if one of those guys gets your second title, you know, you become the new GOAT. I, I agree completely. Next year could really set it apart or somebody we don't, you know, maybe, um, I mean, Ryan Brown is, you know, he, he, he kind of had a moment there in the semifinals in the in the third place game where he didn't live up to what he showed in the re, in the West region. Mm-hmm. But he proved throughout the West region he's really good, better than he would ever give himself credit for. So maybe if if one of the other uh, you know two uh, from the third Justin or or Ryan comes up and and um, or as you point out maybe Justin next year does exactly what Tyler did this year and, and becomes the third place guy and the new champion next year. Um, all sorts of possibilities, and and every tournament alters the the goat conversation. Yeah, until, it does. until somebody makes, until somebody grabs that second title, I, I'm giving it to Eric right now. Yep, but another phenomenal RCST trivia tournament. Again, thank you to everybody who was a part of it. Thank you so much to our sponsors. Like seriously, um, and I'm gonna repeat these all again. 23rd Street Brewery, great food, great beer, great place place to hang out. Kirk Geyser State Farm, fantastic. Uh, you know, whether it's financial needs, whether it's like home insurance, life insurance, any insurance thing. Kurt's a great dude. Give Kirk Geyser uh, a call. McDonald's of Lawrence, um, uh, Mr. D's Auto Wash. CBD of Lawrence, uh, where they've got, you know, it, it's great if you, you go golfing or you have trouble falling asleep. They have stuff that can help you out, and they're pharmacist-owned and operated, so you can ask them a bunch of questions if you have them. Uh, Pella windows and doors, if you have any window or door needs. Um, Rockchalk.io, you can get your Jayhawk NFT collection started and join in on a fun little community there. Uh, Jayhawk Trophy, uh, like all these great sponsors that we have, make this possible and make it so that we can have prizes, make it so that it can be more fun and get competitive for these things to go through. And thank you so much. And thank you especially to 23rd Street Brewery, who has been our title sponsor for this each and every year. Thank you to Matt Llewellyn and buying the TV and, and making this such a special event. We seriously could not do it without you guys. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you to all the, the contestants for joining in on this. And we didn't really have any moments of people complaining and stuff this year. It, it was all pretty uh, dialed down this year. And we understand that we can't make everything perfectly even. And there is a little bit of a luck element. But also, that's kind of the point here that it's like the NCAA tournament in that specific way. So fantastic stuff once again. Congratulations to Tyler. And look forward to next year. Look forward to our football trivia event coming up in July. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. Depend on it. Michael Swain joins the show in less than 20 minutes. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Don't know if you saw this, but you know, we mentioned Christian Brown staying in the draft, mentioned the tweet he sent out. Jalen Wilson mm, took I've to Twitter. He quote tweeted it, talk soon, and then an emoji of a black and white checkered flag, which I believe is the like last or the you finish know, line finish line flag, right? So uh, let's play a little reckless speculation here. What does that mean? Talk soon? Does that mean um, he's very being very literal, like let's just talk soon? Does he mean... You know, talk soon because we're both going to be in the NBA draft sitting there together. And and the the flag is we're both at the finish line of our college careers. Or does it mean when he says talk soon, does he mean you finished up? That's what the flag is. 
I still have a year left of college, so I'm going to come back, and then we'll talk, and that's the soon part. We'll talk next year when I'm in the NBA, and we'll be talking to each other on the court in the NBA. Or Hmm? he's purchased an NBA team. Oh, and he's going to draft Christian Brown. Yeah, he's drafting Christian Brown. But first, he wants to make him do a a pre-draft interview. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He wants to literally be responsible about it. Right, which is smart. Pre-draft workout and interview and all Mm -hmm. that good stuff, yeah. Okay, I think yours is the most likely. I think yeah, Let's absolutely. Um, he got a lot of he got a lot of nil money. Yeah, and bought himself an NBA franchise. Could he continue? Let's keep going down this hypothetical. Could he continue playing at KU if he, he was owned the owner? an NBA franchise? I I don't see anything that I would. I think one would hamper your ability to do either well. You know what I mean? Well, but I, I mean, don't know if there are rules established against it. I mean, yeah, certainly the NBA franchise probably would suffer if you're if you're dedicating all. And that one time of those two basketball. things would suffer. But what if he's like, you know, we're just going to tank year one. It's fine. I'll play at Kansas. I'll be the owner. I'm gonna I'm gonna hire some good people that know what they're doing and run the business side and everything. Uh, and, and like I said, we're tanking, so it's not like a huge deal for bad this year. Um, and I'm gonna keep playing. I don't know if there's anything that could stop him because there's nothing that's stopping like a a kid who plays football or basketball or name your sport. From having like a job at you know a part time job somewhere, so who cares um, if the job's part time or full time? Didn't as long as you uh, can do both. I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but mm-hmm. didn't um, Savion and Tavion Alcorn, KU track stars, didn't they start their own business selling um, used KU apparel? I don't know. I don't know. I thought they did. I mean, good for them. If yeah, they did. absolutely. They're they're. I I know them from. I actually knew them as as young young children. It still, in, I knew them still in diapers. Young kids. They were neighbors with one of my best friends growing up so i know them well mm. um and i think yeah i feel like they they established a company that uh bought and sold used uh, ku merchandise cool well yeah i mean if again like there's nothing that's Couple in the rule book that says you can't have a job somewhere so like you can't own a business why it's not like he's getting paid to play basketball at that point he would just be the owner of an where American. would it be oh yeah that becomes a problem um he has so much money that he forces the NBA to create an expansion team in Kansas City, Kansas right now. To play at like Wyandotte High School or something? What what arena would they use? Again, he has so much money that He's they- just building yeah, one? Yeah. He's like- I don't know. I don't know how much KU- mm-hmm. I mean, I, they, they may- I, I don't know how much KU wants a, an NBA team in Kansas City. I don't think KU basketball will ever run out of popularity as long as they stay really good, but- I think life's a lot easier for him without an NBA team in, in Kansas City. So you think there would be so I think there'd be some, problems some with friction. Jaylen. Like, Jalen, we're sorry. You can't own an NBA basketball team and continue to play college basketball. Not yeah. having it. Uh, the Athletics' Matt Barrows reported that the 49ers plan to cut D. Ford next month. Which is weird because Matt Barrows uh, reports on croquet. So I don't know why hmm. he would know that information. Well, I, hey, that's, I'll trust that's, him. That's a know. lie. I made that up. I'm sure he's uh, an NFL writer. No, he he is croquet. I, oh wow! No, he's what not. a lucky guess for me. Now we've just confused everyone. What are the odds? Um, but no, he he does cover the 49ers for the Athletic. Uh, so that's former friend alert, and certainly we've talked about the options at edge rusher drying up a little bit for the Chiefs still available if they want to go out there and get someone. Yay or nay for a return to the Chiefs for for D Ford. Well, I will always, and maybe this is cowardly, but I will always, always preface any player coming in on what the contract might look like. But I will stick with my belief that. I just say it's very, a one-year deal. Very, very right? rarely am I opposed to a one-year contract. 
I think I would probably want him less than what Clowney got. I think eleven million is a little high for D Ford. If you want to tell me the Chiefs are getting D Ford for a, about half that or so, maybe instead of exactly half, maybe up at the six or six and a half million, so a little more than half, I would yeah, I would take that. So there is an opportunity cost associated that if you do, even if it is a one-year deal, it's basically saying if we get D Ford on a one-year deal, that means we're not getting name whatever other edge rusher you like out there who might still be available, right? Uh, Carlos Dunlap, Justin Houston, trading for Robert Quinn. If you sign him to a one-year deal, it, it... Yeah, you are risking somebody else going to a different correct. team and doing better. Yes. Um. So here's the thing with D Ford. He... It obviously ended very poorly because of the fact that you have the offsides play, right? Otherwise, the Chiefs are going to three straight Super Bowls at that point, and who knows, maybe winning back-to-back as as part of the first two. Um, But he he was a very productive player. He was, at least as a pass rusher. Was he a first or a second rounder? He was like a late first. He was like 25, 26, something like that in the draft. Okay. I feel like a big problem for him was that and you can't control where you're drafted. I do think a lot of people... I think if a player doesn't live up to their drafts, draft status or their where they're drafted, I think that's an indictment on the people who drafted them, not necessarily the player. Um, I think in a vacuum, I think D. Ford had a nice career in Kansas City, but I, I wouldn't love to see a lot of first-round picks perform like him. I mean, if, had, if I told you... pretty. I remember, didn't he have one particularly good season? So five years with the Chiefs. His first year didn't really see the field much. Second year, he had four sacks in 14 games. Had but he exploded uh, one year 23 for like double-digit sacks. Yeah, so his third year, he got 10 sacks, Okay, 38 tackles on the season in 15 games. Fourth year, he only played six games, was injured. And then his last year with the team, which was that season in 2018, he led the NFL in forced fumbles with seven. He had 13 sacks and 55 total tackles. He was a pro bowler. Okay, no, I mean, I, I mean, I yeah, it's it a, fine, it's a right. fine career, yeah, um, with the Chiefs. And but you're not getting that guy. Who no, has absolutely sacks. not. No, um, but you're also not paying for that guy either. No, he turned 31 in March, and here's the problem. He's I mentioned a couple of those years where he had injury-ridden years with Kansas City. That was the case for his entire three years in San Francisco. He played 18 total games in three seasons Ooh, with the 49ers. Now he's turning 31. Now he did like if you just look at it as like a per game production thing. He averaged uh, a sack every two games with San Francisco. So by that nature, that's eight sacks over a sixteen game season, eight and a half over seventeen. That would be really good. I just probably don't think needs you trust to play that much. Yeah, if you can get him for one year, one or two million, and let it roll out, yeah. and it doesn't prevent you from picking up someone else, go for it. But I'd rather get someone else. But if you don't get any of those others, then he's the last option. Sure. Why not? Hearing what I just heard about what you said about his health and the the lack of of, of games played, yeah, I would I would take back the the numbers that I just put out there. I would say he's the last resort option between all those guys with you know Justin Houston and Carlos Dunlap, some of the guys we mentioned yesterday. You go for those first. If those all sign and, and the well dries up there, then you go for D Ford. And if because you took longer to try to go for him because you were going for other guys and you go somewhere else, you just shrug your shoulders and say okay. But if he does come back. You know, it's fine. He's Adam Ravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down, one to go. Michael Swain joins us next. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. 
Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thank you for joining us today. And we're joined by Michael Swain of 24-7 Sports and Fog.net here on the show. Christian Brown officially has declared for the NBA draft. So the first, I guess, domino to fall of, of the NBA draft decisions for KU. I know this isn't totally surprising. We've talked to you the last couple of weeks and, you know, the number for the percentage of thoughts on Christian Brown staying in the draft have been, you know, 90 plus percent. But what are your thoughts now that this is official uh, of the immediate hole left by Brown for KU? And uh, I guess what are the steps of, of where things now go from here? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think good for Christian, first of all, you know, you look at the start of the season, you know, I don't think you would have if you'd ask a lot of key fans, hey, you're going to have two first-round picks, you know, uh, Christian Brown being one of them maybe wouldn't have been the guy you would have chosen. So for him to play his way into that, I think is huge and really good for him. But it does leave a hole. You know, he, he offered a really – he was a key player on this team, right, where defensively offered some versatility there, but more so offensively. His slashing, his shooting percentage around the rim, remaining efficient there throughout non-conference play and even into conference play. Um, I think you're losing a lot of stuff with him. And I think there's also an intangible aspect there, too, where, you know, kind of almost the emotional leader because Ochai was not necessarily an outwardly exuberant player. That's uh, not really Dave McCormick. That's not really Jalen Wilson. And Christian Brown's really that guy. So, you know, you're looking at now having to replace kind of someone that's like that, that, that offered that scoring inside and, and was okay from three point range to, for a good portion of the season. So, you know, the next step now is really and this paves the way for Kevin McCuller to join the team. Um, you know, he committed to KU and has maintained it. He's going to go through the draft process, get his feedback, but I do expect him to take his name out of the draft and, and return and, and transfer to Kansas, um, like he said he intends to. Um, and I think that does a good job of filling some of the holes that Christian Brown left, but definitely not a like-for-like replacement. Do you think the rest of the offseason or any more moves just kind of relies on the one decision of, of Jalen Wilson, or do you think that even if Jalen does come back, we could still see some moves happen where essentially, even though you wouldn't have the scholarships at that point, you'd basically be you know showing someone the door um, at that point? Yeah, and that's kind of the dynamic we're at now, right, where you've got someone like Tyrese Hunter who visited the campus but remains uncommitted. And I, I do think it'll probably be Texas for Tyrese Hunter. We'll have to kind of see what how things play out there if he ends up visiting a program like Louisville that, you know, there's been some buzz there for a little bit. But I, I think it does depend on Jalen Wilson. I do think he's going to come back as well. Um, but there's also some loopholes there with the way that this transfer stuff works, where if you're a graduate transfer, um, there are ways that you can transfer someone new at this point of the year and not have that May 1st deadline impact you. So there are ways that KU could add another player um, and not necessarily have it be a situation where someone's going to get really you know, screwed over, for lack of a better term, um, in terms of where they're going to head. You know, If it's someone that's already graduated, then they can transfer somewhere else um, and they can go through the loopholes and be able to play there. So, I mean, we'll have to see. It all depends on if someone wants to come. Um, and we'll have to kind of see if that happens specifically really with someone like Tyrese Hunter. Yeah, it's it becomes tough too because a guy like Tyrese Hunter is a guy who it's like how do you say no to a talent like that? Um, so mm-hmm. I, let's say Jalen Wilson does end up staying in the draft, which I don't know now as as you know we've basically asked you updates every week. Like what percentage are you at for Jalen? I don't know where you're at with that now, but if he does indeed stay in the draft, 
Uh, where are you at with, I guess, the favorites or what the betting favorite would be for filling that scholarship? Would it be Tyrese Hunter? Maybe, just because he's the one that's visited. But I think you're also at the point now where a lot of these players have been smart with the way they've managed um, their off-seasons, where there are a lot of players who entered the NBA draft but also went into the transfer portal. And so I think as these draft decisions come down before that June 1st deadline, more players will become available. And so if Jalen Wilson is one of those guys that decides to keep his name in the draft, um, I think that's unlikely. But if it does happen, you know, Kay will be able to pivot. You know, I think Courtney Ramey is someone that I've mentioned to VIP subscribers, someone to keep an eye on. But, you know, like Kevin McCuller, if you ask people around Ramey, they're going to say, hey, he's focused on going pro. He's focused on going pro. So we'll have to see what the feedback is like for someone like him if he does want to come back to college, but maybe he's someone to watch. But I do think more names will pop up kind of in the middle of next week once that June 1st deadline passes and then everyone kind of knows solidly where they stand in terms of draft, transfer portal, and kind of what the next steps are. Okay, so so what, uh, I guess, would you uh, put the percentages on, on Jalen and Kevin McCuller both winding up in a KU uniform next season? I'd say it's probably in the high 70s, 80s maybe. You know, I think that you're looking at Jalen. He had a really good G League elite camp, but not a great combine. And I think that some of the things that he showed at the elite camp are some things he showed at Kansas, where he can have these hot two-game stretches where he shoots the ball well from three. But the consistency isn't there, and I'm sure that the NBA folks have told him that, that, hey, go back to college, go become more consistent, go take over some games, and you'll be able to play your way into potentially being a draft pick. So I think it's pretty high. I think you're saying, you know, 75-plus percent that both of them are going to end up at KU. Um, I'm pretty certain McCullough is going to be a a lock to return just because his G League Elite camp wasn't perfect. Um, May have gotten a little banged up there, too, if I read things correctly. So I think he comes back, and I do think Wilson does as well. But obviously, combining the odds, you know, you feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, for the McCuller one, I just don't understand why you would go through the process of even committing to a school, especially knowing that for him, with the vitriol that he kind of took on online yeah. from Texas Tech fans, like, why go through that process if you weren't going to actually come to KU? Like, if you were going to stay in the draft, you, you shouldn't have even mentioned that. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's fair that nobody, obviously, social media abuse is not something that's good at all. But if you are going to subject yourself to that, yeah, you go through it. Um, and you go through with it. I think that's what ends up happening. You know, I think McCullough is a, is a good Brown replacement. I think it's the timing of it certainly was interesting that, you know, Christian goes and has a really good day of scrimmages, and later that night, you know, McCullough announces the commitment. I just think that that timing there is pretty pretty funny in terms of the way it played out. But, yeah, I think McCullough plays at KU next year and takes his name out. Well, meanwhile, KU football continues to scour the transfer portal there. Um, seems like there's been a lot of interest or visits or conversations with with some juco guys of late uh what are you kind of on the lookout for as far as upcoming uh players of interest for the football side of things yeah we'll, we'll kind of have to see i think we're at the point now where you know a lot of the transfers i think that key's gone after um they've landed a good portion of them obviously i think we talked about marvin grant last week and now we're at the point where I think KU is more looking for depth pieces than it is pure starters, where I think you can look at the, the 22 that KU is going to have starting, and you feel pretty good about the, the guys you think that are going to start. Now it's just a question of can you fill out the depth chart to make it where 
if some of those guys get banged up over the course of the season, that you're not looking at your depth chart and scratching your head like, man, we really have to rely on a guy that you know not very proven. Is his body really developed? Is he ready for this? And that's where the kind of these junior college guys go in. So obviously, you know, Dean Miller took a visit last week. He's a defensive end from California. Um, he's now going to take a visit to Indiana this week. Uh, it's KU in Indiana there. Um, obviously, Sevion Herring is someone that took a visit to KU also last week. Um, he's got some more visits going on. There was chatter. Maybe he'll decide today. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, we'll kind of have to see where things go from there. And then, of course, KU offered a, a new junior college offensive lineman um, last night, I want to say. So, you know, things are developing. You know, they've got some time now, about a week or so before uh, the summer classes kind of start when the guys report back for some workouts. So you're kind of getting closer to the final stages of kind of this roster construction being built. And then all of a sudden you get into mid-June, and that's when those high school recruits come on official visits. So I think you're looking at kind of the, the back stages of getting this 2022 roster built and kind of the staff transitioning into really focusing on the 2023 high school class before the season starts. Well, as you mentioned, with with looking to add more depth pieces, do you think that would be something where, because I know you talked about this last week, that even though they do have the extended scholarship numbers now, you don't want to just take a guy just to take a guy if he's not a good enough fit. You don't want to at least be a little bit picky and choosy there um, to where, uh, like, are the depth pieces, do you think, going to be one-year guys where it's like, well, they're depth now, but we don't have to worry about them impacting a scholarship the year after that? Or do you envision most of those being guys who – uh, would kind of follow the trend of, of what we've seen so far, where it's, you know, they have two, three, four years left of play when they come in to allow that even if they don't become immediate impact guys, you at least know they have multiple years in the system. Yeah, I think most of these are kind of that multi-year stuff. You know, guys like Jalen Dye is another guy that took an official visit. Uh, I think it wraps up today. You know, he's got three years. And so I think a lot of these players have kind of those three um, a red shirt plus three years, you know, where they can come in and maybe this year they're not necessarily playing, you know, every snap, but maybe by year two, they can be a really good depth piece. So I think, again, kind of the roster flexibility has been a really big thing for this staff where even though this kind of income encounter rule went away, they're really trying to go after guys that can be in the program for multiple years so that they can learn the scheme, get comfortable, and then really be able to produce when they get older. I think Lance Leipold talked about that, trying to get older as a program. And I think that that's what going after players with this kind of eligibility frame, that allows you to do where they're going to be in the program. They're going to learn the defense, you know, whether it be offense, defense, special teams, they're going to learn their role, be able to play it to a T and not have some of these guys where, you know, the two and done Juco's right, where you come in, you're junior and you've only got two years where a lot of these guys can come in and not necessarily have the pressure to, Hey, you have to start right away. It's, hey, come in, learn the defense, play some, um, be a backup piece, and then kind of as you get into your upperclassmen years, you'll have the experience where you can actually produce and maybe not have um, a level of drop-off from some of the starters you have been able to grab from the transfer portal. I like doing these uh, hypothetical, I guess, would-you-rather and-ors with with Michael. So uh, here's your uh, one today. Higher number, Christian Brown's draft selection – or KU football's points per game in 2022? Give me the – what's going to be higher? Oh, this is terrible radio here. Um, give me Christian because I think he's going to be in the late 20s, I think 25, 26, 26 in that range. I think KU's going to – 
being kind of that 24 to 25 points per game. And the reason I think that is because you look at the way KU's built this team, they're going to run the ball a lot, and they're going to play good defense. And I think that lends itself to not being a team that's going to be averaging 20, 29, 30 points a game. I think they'll probably be in kind of the mid-20s, and I see Christian Brown getting drafted maybe in the late 20s. So that's my answer and my final answer. Yes, I think I agree with you there, but um, I don't know. What if you know if Christian Brown gets some team at like 23 or something, picks him, then to your point, because that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like 24 points per game sounds about right. Um, so I guess we'll just kind of wait and see where, where Christian gets drafted and maybe revisit that one. Okay, well, uh, Michael, before we let you go, as is tradition and for the final time, one last thing with Adam. Oh. All right, Michael, one last thing. What was the last to- or What was the topic of the last brochure you read? Oh, when I was in Scotland for vacation, I was reading a bunch about, we were in a place called Isle of Sky. So that was the last brochure I read. And Adam, thank you a lot for not asking me to admit to a felony. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, the, the follow-up question was... Was it about a legal a defense yeah. attorney? Yeah. <laughs> nope, not yet. Good, Maybe good. Come at, if the cop listened to the radio hit. Glad to hear it. <laughs> He is Michael Swain. He is innocent of all crimes. I hope. I, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, Fog.net, 24-7 sports. Michael, appreciate the time as always, man. Definitely. Thanks. Always enjoy it. All right. That's Michael Swain, 24-7 sports and Fog.net. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.